Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jordan Reed, and I am joined, just like every Friday show, Brindley Wiseman. Brindley, how's everything going, man? Everything is going good. You know, another uh, good Thursday night football game with two former first overall picks. Um, it was a good one. You know, I was kind of pulling for Urban Meyer to get his first win of the season. Unfortunately, like, it didn't happen. They had every opportunity to, but, you know, good teams find a way to win. And bad teams find a way to lose. So that's the story of the NFL. But overall, man, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. You know, bad teams find ways to lose. And that's yeah. what the Jaguars did. Against Cincinnati, Cincinnati coming away with the late game field goal as time expired. 24-21, getting the victory. Great play call there at the end, getting the ball. The CJ, um, whose name is escaping me, his last name. Uzuma. Him, him getting, yeah, Umoza, his, his, like it, it was a great play call. Like they had a zero blitz called, and it was a terrific play call by Zach Taylor. Like the timing couldn't have been better. For him to run that play right there. I thought Joe Burrow was terrific in this game. He just he finally looks healthy, able to make plays with his feet, just like what we saw at LSU, him bouncing around and making plays inside and outside of the pocket. And the Bengals have some really good pieces on offense. Even though T. Higgins didn't play tonight, you're seeing some other players step up and make some plays. Jamar Chase made plays here and there. Joe Mixon, who's an absolute stud, didn't even play down the back stretch of the game, but there were some other players that did step up in this game. Their defense played decent for the most part. They stepped up there at the end to get the big stop on Jacksonville. So Cincinnati, it seems like they're starting to turn the corner. Three and one right now. I think that's their best start since like 2008 or something like that. Jacksonville is sitting at 0-4. It's not looking pretty right now. No, it's not looking pretty for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I do think there's some positives we could take away from tonight's game. Obviously, one being the play of Trevor Lawrence. I thought he looked really comfortable. He made some terrific throws. He didn't throw a turnover, uh, throw an interception all game, which I think that's his first time not throwing a pick all season in a game. So we'll we'll, we'll take some positives. But I do think, like, they have to improve their offensive line. I mean, just so often – uh, Trevor Lawrence is running for his life, bailing the pocket early, having to use his legs and athleticism to, to escape and try to make plays down the field. He's just not a, really getting time to stand tall and deliver strikes from the pocket. And I think if he was given time to do that, the Jaguars actually have some pretty good weapons. Like LaVisca Chenault's a real dude. Marvin yeah. Jones, I'm a huge fan of. It sucks what happened to DJ Shark. I hope he's not seriously injured, but didn't look good. Dan Arnold just got off the bus, you know, just got off the plane uh, in Carolina uh, coming over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Had a huge impact on this game and a losing effort. Um, so I do think there's pieces there. And James Robinson, don't get me started. I love that guy. I freaking love James Robinson. Love the way he plays. Love his contact balance, his vision, just his overall kind of physical temperament he brings. Like, I love Travis Etienne too, but, like, next year, I don't even care. Like, I definitely want to see continue – feeding James Robinson. But going back to the Bengals, Jordan, like I think you said it, they have a ton of talent on offense, whether that's Jamar Chase, who is really looking like a future superstar in this league. 
CJ Uzuma, the tight end, is a really good receiving tight end coming back from injury last year. They did this all about T. Higgins, who's arguably the best receiver on their team as like currently. Um, you can make that they can make, make that argument. And then Joe Burrow, you know, this is he he looks phenomenal tonight. He's accurate, made great decisions. I thought we saw him use his legs a lot more than we've seen this season. So it looks like he's finally starting to trust his knee, which I think is really big for this team as they look to continue to improve. And and look, man, they're 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 three and one. They beat some pretty good teams in the Vikings and the Steelers. Um, I I think this team shouldn't be slept on at all. You know, I, I think this is a team that really could make some noise. I actually have a futures bet. I didn't tell nobody, but I, I, I placed this before the season. I think it was over under six and a half for the Bengals. I took the over. I took the over because when you watch yeah. this team last season, when Burrow was healthy, in the games they were losing, they never got blown out. Like they were in every single game when Burrow was healthy. And now he's back healthy and they got more talent on the roster. So I'm happy to see them win. I'm happy to see Burrow take some next steps in terms of his recovery. I kind of like Zach Taylor. I don't think he's laughing stuff that people think he is. Um, I'm here for it. I'm here for the Bengals to be a competitive football team and, and try to make the playoffs. I mean, in that division, you better show some growth. The AFC yeah. North is a beast. You know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who's you know kind of down right now, but still they're going to be Pittsburgh. Mike Thomas is always going to have them some sort of contender. And then we know Cleveland, how well-constructed that roster is, and then how good they're playing this year as well. So Cincinnati is good that they're showing progress. They haven't been a winner in a very long time, and I think this is one of the better rosters that they have had in quite some time. Offensively, I think they have some young, promising pieces. We already talked about Burrow, of course. Joe Mixon, who I think is one of the more underrated and best running backs in the league as far as a dual threat that can catch the ball and run the ball out of the backfield from any platform. T. Higgins, who was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people to go in the second round. We know Jamar Chase and what he's capable of as well. The tight end, who we've already mentioned, too. So they have some weapons on offense. Tyler Boyd is a, a very good complementary piece as far as a wide receiver. So they have a bunch of promising pieces along the perimeter. Now that offensive line does need some construction. I think they do still have, still have some holes in some spots. Riley Reef on a one-year deal is probably not the long-term answer, so maybe they could look for another tackle. And then some interior guys have been inconsistent, so I think they'll probably try to patchwork some other things to go along there. But, I mean, there's a lot of promising pieces on this offense. I really like what I was able to see from the Bengals. And I know it was Jacksonville, and I know Jacksonville is not a good football team right now, but they can't control who they play on the schedule, and they just have to control their own destiny as far as the next team on the schedule. But I really like the promise that Cincinnati was able to show tonight. Real quick, um, I know their offense is getting a ton of praise, but how about Logan Wilson, yeah. Cincinnati linebacker out of Wyoming? I think he's a second-year player. Um, I actually liked him a lot coming out. I thought he was really good in coverage, really good in space. I think he's 6'4", like 240. We had a 4'6 coming out, super athletic. Didn't see the field a ton as a rookie last year. They had Jermaine Pratt, who they still have, and they have Akeem Davis-Gunther, who – he played a little bit more as a rookie uh, than Logan Wilson last year, but my gosh, Wilson looks like, I mean, obviously he's not this caliber of player, but I mean, he looks like a young Brian Urlacher, like just the way he plays, the way he moves. Like I'm telling you, like, I'm like, damn, who is 55? He's balling. And they're one of my teams, you know, during our pro scouting that we had last year, I had them last year. And so I paid close attention to this linebacking group and I wrote like, this is either going to be a massive need 
or these young players are going to step up because they have invested a lot of draft capital at the linebacker position. I think Logan Wilson yeah. was a third round pick. Jermaine Pat Pratt was a third round pick. Akeem Davis Gaither was, I want to say a fourth round pick. So they've invested capital in the linebacker group. It was just a matter of, okay, are these guys going to actually take the next step or are they just going to be what they were last year as young players? And then they'll need significantly need new linebackers. It, to me, it's clear Logan Wilson has taken our next step. He's a guy, like he's a dude in the middle of their defense. Um, and if they're getting that play from him, and I, I'm telling you, like, I know linebacker is oftentimes undervalued, and you know, people don't necessarily think it's like as important as a lockdown corner or a top pass rusher. I will say, if you have a guy in the middle of your defense, I just feel like that changes your overall defense, like in terms of physicality, speed aggressiveness i'm a sucker for a athletic tough physical middle linebacker maybe that's because i grew up with a panther fan and had john beeson had luke keekley like maybe that's why but i swear i love Damn, some middle linebackers you know and so i think logan wilson to me really impressed me tonight yeah i'm with you on the linebacker debate and everybody says that well not everybody a lot of people say that it's yeah. like the running back of the defense but mm-hmm. I've never really had that thought. And I know there's some teams that don't really value the position. The Kansas City Chiefs is one, even though they've invested some high draft capital on the past few years. Willie Gay, I think, was a second-round pick. And they've had some other players that they've invested at the position, too. The Eagles are another team that doesn't really value the position either. But, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good middle linebacker, like you said. I love a player in the middle that can just be that transformative piece like a Devin White or a Devin yes. Bush in the middle that just can control and roam everything. I think it just changes everything for you. So I'm excited, though, man, uh, about this Bengals roster and about the, about the future for sure. But before we move on, I want to remind everybody about Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game officially starts. So something that I did want to mention, and we talked about this a little bit pre-show, just because this is your alma mater. There was some big news out of Oregon. And, you know, I like talking college recruiting. This is something that I follow pretty much very closely. Oregon came out with what is called a formation of Division Street Incorporated. And pretty much is a venture that will assist with all Oregon athletes and athletics to build their brand and pretty much monetize everything from NIL, name, image, likeness. There were some big names that were announced that are going to be associated with this. Rich Paul, everybody knows that name, the agent of LeBron James and Clutch Sports, which is probably one of the biggest empires as far as sports representation amongst athletes. Sabrina Ionescu, uh, you know, who's an Oregon alum herself, and then everything that she's been able to do. She was announced as the chief athlete officer, and we know Phil Knight is the engine behind all of this. So, like I told you, good luck beating Oregon in recruit, <laughs> just because 
they have top-notch facilities, and then you come out with a program like this that's helping you pretty much maximize everything from your branding and then NIL as well, it's going to be tough to beat Oregon and recruit, man. It's, it's going to be really, really hard with a program like this and then having the names involved in it like they do. I mean, Oregon's Oregon's about to explode, man. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think like I think it was Keith Sanchez from our team. You know, he was mentioning you know like how when he was working at LSU and he started to hear the rumblings about the NIL and it's coming and how that's going to affect his role in the recruiting department and how you know, universities are really going to have to invest in people who can help these athletes with their NIL deals and being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness and really help these kids. And he was saying, you know, he thinks every university is eventually going to have a person that sold responsibilities to help these kids with their marketing endorsements, decisions, and things like that nature. So I don't think this is, this is what Oregon's doing is anything that other universities aren't, aren't doing. But Oregon's took it to a whole other level, you know. Yeah. Instead of one person or some random like Brentley Wiseman at University of Oregon doing it for some kids, no, 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 no. We're gonna build a whole absolute program with Phil Knight involved, Tinker Hatfield involved, the, the designer of all the Nike shoes, all the brand managers at Nike are gonna be involved helping Oregon athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness. Having a name like Sabrina Ionescu who. Is arguably one of the more famous woman athletes in the United States, yeah. and it happens to be an Oregon alum, you know, involved as the chief athlete officer. Having Rich Paul, it it, it just again it, it just shows the innovation, the the cre- creativity by the Oregon athletic department. And to me, it's it's really going to separate Oregon from when you know Crystal Ball is in a living room competing against. I don't know, USC, Washington, even Ohio State, like none of these universities are going to have this program with the names backing this. Um, so I think it's great for the kids. I think it's great for the university. Um, I think it's a great initiative all around. Um, I think it's going to be able to benefit a lot of people. And so I'm really happy to see it. Uh, it's really cool and excited to see what, come, come, what comes from it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. You know, Oregon is known for their facilities already. Then having those names attached to you as a brand is going to be ridiculous, too. Now, also, I didn't tell you this in the show notes, but did you see another big time recruit opted out of his senior season? Did you see that high school? No, I didn't. Was it uh, was it in football? So it was the number one wide receiver in the country. Wow. He opted out midway through his senior season to sit out the rest of the year because of NIL. He didn't want to get hurt. And remember I said when Quinn Ewers did that, this was going to become a trend with top high school prospects. I just wanted to bring that up just because this is something that's about to happen and it's going to become a problem in high school. And now what's going to have to happen is high school is going to have to adopt NIL. Otherwise, top-ranked prospects are just going to miss out on their senior season just because they want to protect themselves. I tell you what, man. These old school college coaches—they're gonna—they're gonna have to be forced to retire. Like yeah. I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining Chip. Chip Kelly would not offer this that kid. Like I, by the look, Chip Kelly would not offer that kid. Yeah, uh, he does, like, it doesn't matter if he's the number one player in the country. Like that's the kind of stuff that I know. Old school college coaches—that's a non-starter. Like you're really gonna opt out and you're, with no injury. No, like I mean, 
Now, granted, this we're living in a different world than we lived in 12 months ago with the NIL stuff. Maybe college coaches aren't adapting, but like I know for a lot of top college coaches and a lot of top college programs, if you're opting out of your high school senior season, like that's you can't even offer you, you know. Like, I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys, that's that's a non-starter. Um, I think that I mean. I know you, you you called it, you predicted it, and I, I agreed with you wholeheartedly. I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see a lot of. I'm just – I'm really against it, man. Like, these – what have you done? I mean, I don't know. Like, I get it. Like, you want to make your money, so I'm never going to knock a kid for being smart business decision, but it's like, what have you done, really? Like, right. If, what, have, what have you done, you know? It's – I don't know. It, it's a tough conversation because I do see both sides, but it's like these kids are being – crowned so early when they really haven't done much and then it's like he could be in a in for a rude awakening when he walks into a college campus and then you have a three-star recruit who's hungry you know who who ha- wasn't you know getting nil deals and, and being top of all the rankings who's gonna come in and outwork and kick that kid's butt on practice because he has a chip on his shoulder all the other kids wearing NIL deals, you know? So I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how all this plays out, but I am a little like nervous about this growing trend. I think we're going to see when um, I know if I was a college recruiter, I would be terrified because yeah. it's like if, if, if all we're going to be able to grade and evaluate is like junior high school tape before, like, I mean, it's crazy, you know? Cause like sometimes like, yeah. I mean, I know kids in junior high school that grow like six inches in their senior year, you know? It's just like, it's going to ruin the whole evaluation process. It's going to be nuts. Like, it's absolutely going to be crazy. Yeah, it is. So his name was Evan Stewart, and he's predicted okay. to go to Texas. That's the prediction for him right now. So it'll be interesting to see if Texas still ends up taking him, which I imagine they would just because he's yeah. such a top-ranked type of player. But I want to see what's going to happen with this trend and if it continues and then what do coaches come out with to combat that? Like, are they for it? Are they against it? Is there certain situations or circumstances of where they are for it or against it? I think that's something to watch as we go along. But I'm going to go ahead and go to our – so we're going to go in reverse order just because we have a lot to get through. We have a really good slate of college football games to get Finally. to. So as we go through the preview, let's go ahead and do some of our red dot prospects when we go yeah. through the games. I think that's the easier way to do it instead of separating both of them just because, I mean, there's red dots. I have red dots all over my paper just because we have so many guys in this week's game. But yeah. the big matchup of the week, well, I can't even say that just because everybody's looking forward to a different a different matchup this week. But I'll start with Arkansas and Georgia. That's the highest ranked head-to-head matchup that we'll have this week. I mean, this is a game that a lot of people didn't have circled coming into the year just because nobody really predicted Arkansas to be a top 10 team. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Heck, I don't even think some of the players on the team even saw them being <laughs> as good as they are right now. But Arkansas's flying high. They get the big victory over Texas A&M a week ago. Coming into Georgia, we always know Athens is a tough place to play, but this is the type of game to where you can prove that you are for real. If you go in there and compete and even end up beating Georgia, now you're talking about a program-changing win for Sam Pittman. But the one player that I have circled in this game, and I put like five red dots beside his name, is Traylon Burks, 
the with the way he played last week against Texas A&M. It really was a coming out party for him. I think he had like 168 yards on six or seven catches, if I'm not mistaken. So it was a big game for him. And this is the type of performance that we want to see him go up against, going against really talented, uh, what I think is the most talented defense in the country by far. Georgia's defense is playing lights out. I mean, they made Vanderbilt look like a high school team a week ago. They just could not pass the ball or run the ball on them at all. So Georgia's very talented. But this is the type of game, once again, a resume game, like we always say, for Traylon Burks. This is the first game that people are going to pop in when they're watching him just because this is the type of competition that he's going to face on Sundays. So Traylon Burks would be the one player that I have circled as far as my red dot in this game. What about you? Yeah, just kind of touching on, you know, piggybacking off of what you were saying about Traylon Burks. Um, you, you know, he was one of my red dot players from last week going up against AM. I thought he really showed out, obviously. I think it was six catches for 167 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was phenomenal. You know, whenever they needed a big play, he they went to him and he showed up. Um, you know, AM has a lot of talent, but they don't have the quite the talent on defense as Georgia. He's going up against two future NFL players at corner. You know, I know Darion Kendrick is a guy we all liked when he was at Clemson last year, came over, transferred to Georgia. Has been pretty good this year, um, so that, that, will, that will certainly be a matchup. And there's this redshirt freshman. I'm not sure if you know the name, Keely Ringo. He yeah. was a five-star he out of Arizona. Out. I mean, he's <laughs> 6'2", long, like ripped. He's like a all world track athlete. I, he's killing it this year too. So they have two NFL corners who Traylon Burks is going to have to go up against. He's going to have to win. If, if Arkansas has any chance of winning this game, he has to have a big game. Um, but my other red dot player in this game is uh, Jalen Catalan, safety from Arkansas. I feel like he's one of our red dot players every week, but just because, you know, Arkansas has been in these big games and he's the best player on defense and he's going to have a tough task. Uh, Georgia's getting their tight end back, Darnell Washington. He's coming back. And they have this freshman phenom, Brock Bowers, who's absolutely amazing at tight end. So Catalan's going to have a really tough task, you know, lining up against these talented tight ends. And, you know, he'll be forced to be in some man situations. I'm really curious to see how he can open his hips and cover guys who are bigger than him. That's somebody the knock on, on Catalan is he does not the biggest defensive back, the biggest safety is he a liability, you know, covering tight ends? Like this could be good. This could really go a long way in helping his stock and ensuring that he is a first round caliber player. So he'll be a guy I have my eye on. Cause I do think JT Daniels, who's now healthy, is going to be looking to target his, his tight ends. Um, so I'll be fascinated to see how uh catalog holds up. So write this name down just because I think he's really underrated right now. Arkansas center. Ricky Stromberg, and he's going against Jordan Davis okay. in this game. That's a head-to-head matchup to watch. Stromberg's been really, really good this year, and I hate that I didn't really focus on him a whole bunch in summer scouting, but he's really caught my eye over these past few weeks. So that's just a position head-to-head uh, prospect versus prospect matchup to keep an eye on. Again, it's Ricky Stromberg versus Jordan Davis. So keep Jordan, an eye on those can you, two. Uh, can you talk to me about these Georgia linebackers real quick? I know Nicobe Dean, he was the more heralded one coming into the season, but is there another guy who we should be looking at? Um, I'm blanking on the name. Yeah, so he's number 41. Yes. Um, It's Channing. um, He's looked pretty damn good, I'm not going to lie. He's 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 running around. 
I'm going to look up the depth chart right now just because I do want to talk about them. They do have some really good players on the second level, but N'Kobe Dean is definitely the guy. Uh, Quay Walker, number seven, is yes. one that's really – he's a, I think he's that's a long, I'm thinking of. linebacker that's really looked the part this year. Um, obviously, we know about Adam Anderson. Nolan Smith has really taken a step forward this year, and it's Channing Tindall. That's his name. He's a senior. Okay. I think he's one of those players that's probably going to end up going to the senior bowl or East West Shrine, and he's going to blow up just because you talk about somebody that can run sideline to sideline. He had a play – during the first week of the season against Clemson of where they ran like a toss concept where he just DJ Uyunglele tossed the ball to the sideline. He was able to run them down. Remember those times we saw Roquan Smith just scraping over the top and chasing those running backs down. It was one of those type plays. And I was like, man, who was this? Who was number 41? So I had to look him up after he made that play. So yeah, Channing Tindall is definitely one. I mean, they're loaded everywhere, man. This Georgia defense is by far the best in the country. So Arkansas is going to have their hands full, but Prediction. Well, let me back up. What was the line in this? The line game? is actually, I mean, I know Georgia's at home, but I was pretty surprised. It's there, it's minus 18 and a half. So really Arkansas wow. getting 18 and a half points. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of points for a it top is. 10 matchup. Ooh, that's tough, I'm probably I'm probably gonna go Arkansas on the points yeah. because like <laughs> that 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 line is, is so disrespectful to Arkansas, and I get it like Georgia's looked phenomenal, but like they they have been scoring a lot of points against terrible competition. Like when they when they face Clemson, what do they score? What was it, fourteen to seven or something like that? Like, well, maybe it was in ten to seven. I'm not even sure what the score was, but I know it was not a lot of points. Yeah, it was like ten to and, three, something yeah, like and, that. And Clemson, Clemson's fraud. So like, perhaps Georgia's offense ain't as good as maybe people are thinking heading into this game. And I do think Arkansas defense is tough. They're fundamentally sound and they have NFL talent. They do, you know? And so I I think 18 and a half points is a lot. I'll I'll probably go with Arkansas on the points. I'm going to go with Georgia, man. Yeah. I'm going to go cover. I'm going to go with them covering. I'm not confident in it, but I think Georgia's good this year. I think they're going to be fired up to prove a point this game. And I want to back up just because Arkansas has another player <clears throat> that I think is really good. His name is Trey Williams, and he's yeah. a Mizzou transfer. He actually leads the country in pressures right now with 23. He's a six-year senior, about six foot five, 255 pounds, and he was awesome against Texas A&M. I think he had two sacks in that game. So keep an eye on number 55. Uh, for Arkansas. He's by far one of their better defenders. This is another player that I wanted to highlight before we move on. But the game that everybody is willing and ready to look at this weekend, Ole Miss travels to Bryant-Denny Stadium to play Alabama. Matt Corral against this Alabama defense. And Corral played really well against this defense last year. I think he was, what, 21-28 and 28 for like 350 passing yards. Had like 13 carries for 40 yards, and it was a high-scoring game last year. They ended up losing 63-48, to which is one of the earlier games of the year. But I actually have a piece coming out about Matt Corral uh, on Friday that I go in-depth just talking about what has improved with him, what looks better, um, you know, player comparison for him, who does he remind me of. It was a real fun piece to write. And, you know, Corral's playing really good this year. I think he looks like one of the better quarterback prospects by far this year. But just sitting back thinking about this game, if you remember going back to Cam Newton 
Johnny Manziel, Joe Burrow, what was the one game that springboarded them into early round consideration and even number one overall pick consideration? It was them going into Alabama and beating them in Bryant Denny Stadium. I think this is that type of opportunity for Matt Corral. And even if he doesn't win the game, if he goes in and he plays really well and shows well in this game, now you definitely talk about him being in that QB1 territory. And some people already see him there. I personally think he's in contention for it by far, just because of how underwhelming and inconsistent this group has been. But you talk about stamping your status as being QB1 or QB2 in this group. Go in, have a good game against Alabama. And if you go in and win in impressive fashion against Alabama, now you're talking about you being not only QB1, but possibly entering, you know, top 10, top 15 type of prospects overall. That's what we're talking about with Matt Corral. So easily my red dot prospect in this game. My eyes are going to be glued to the TV during this game for him just because this is by far the most important game in his career. Yeah, this is the game that we all had circled heading into the season for Matt Corral. I mean, this is this is it. He's been by far and away the most impressive quarterback prospect to me this season. Um, I actually I liked him a lot coming into the summer. I think I gave him a second round grade. Uh, maybe it was a two three split with a lean to the second, but I I liked him. You know, I, I think some of the things that he has, you know, not a lot of the other quarterbacks had in terms of the creativity in the pocket, the instincts, the playmaking ability, the athleticism. I wrote in my report, like, it's very reminiscent of Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow. Like, they had those same qualities in terms of they can feel pressure, they can spin out of pressure, escape the pocket, deliver strikes down the field. And all three play with a unique and and really rare level of confidence, which I I really appreciate. And I think those three have it in spades, and it really separates them and what makes them so good because neither of the three are, like, outstanding physical traits but you know but they all just have that innate feel for the game and confidence so i think matt Crowell's cut from that same cloth again he's not the biggest doesn't have the biggest arm he's athletic but he's not like malik willis or anything like that but i think he's accurate makes good decisions for the most part definitely improved there i would say than, than last year he's not taking so many risks um as he did last year which i appreciate yeah Look, I mean, he like you said, he's 100% in contention with QB1. I have a mock draft coming out Sunday. I'm telling you right now, he's on QB1 in the mock draft. Like, he really is. And it it's is. a mixture of his play, but it's also a mixture of the lack of improvement we've seen from the other passers in this class. But as you mentioned, like he has every opportunity to submit himself, in my opinion, as QB1 if he has a good showing against Alabama. Um, Bama's defense has been phenomenal. I know they kind of got banged around by Florida um, a little bit. I do think they're going to come out with a sense of urgency. They're going to come out and look to smack Ole Miss, in my opinion. I think this is a really prideful Bama team who isn't getting a lot of that same respect that we've given past Bama teams. Like I know some people think like this Bama team is beatable. And I kind of tend to agree with them. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm looking for Bama to come out with a big-time sense of emergency. This is also a huge moment for Bryce Young, and I know he's not eligible, but in terms of his Heisman campaign, this is it. I mean, this is pro- this game's probably for the Heisman. Like, the winner of this game, yeah. whichever quarterback it is, is probably going to win the Heisman. So I think this is a huge game. I think the line is Bama minus 14.5 um, at home. 
I am probably going to go with Ole Miss covering I, uh, 14 and a half. I just feel like they're going to be able to score. Um, and even if it's garbage points, you know, getting getting some late kind of backdoor covering, I can see that happening. But I think Bama's for sure going to win, but I do think they keep it within 14 and a half points. Yeah, this game is really fascinating to me just because if you get – you don't want to get too caught up in the Matt Corral versus Alabama hype and forget about the other surroundings as well. Yep. The other surroundings isn't great for Ole Miss right now. I think they have some quality pieces. I really like what they have in the backfield. Their backs run really hard just watching them on tape. Jerry and Ely is somebody that should be on NFL draft radars. I think he plays baseball as well. So some people aren't even sure if he's going to end up playing baseball or going to the NFL. But number nine in the backfield, Jerry and Ely, keep an eye on him. And there's some other players to watch as well. But, I mean, Alabama, everybody knows the players that they have. Jamison Williams is playing some good ball, the wide receiver, the transfer from Ohio State. He's really had a breakout season so far. John Mechie has been consistent overall, even though – Alabama isn't as talented on the perimeter as what we have seen in years past when they've had Ruggs and Judy and Devontae Smith and Waddle. They don't have those type of guys, but there's still some talent on the perimeter. Billingsley looks like he's coming back into his own after being in the doghouse for a little bit too. So I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to stop Alabama on offense, but that's going to be great for Matt Corral, especially if he's able to keep up with the Alabama offense. And if he goes toe for toe with them, that's going to look really good on him, even if they do end up losing this game if he goes toe-to-toe just like how he did last year against Alabama that's going to be great for his stop no doubt no freaking doubt all right so before we move on to our final game I want to remind everybody about home field apparel home field apparel is our new sponsor and it's a premium college or collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis they have incredibly comfortable and officially officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs One of the coolest things is that Homefield studies school history and goes through the archives. They create thoughtful vintage designs and represent the school's history. They are actually wrapping up their big new Saturday season two. They launch six new schools each Saturday. All summer, a new school gets released every Saturday, but they are going to continue to release and refresh schools all year long. They They actually have over 100 schools officially licensed and adding more all the time. Listen, I'm trying to get some North Carolina Central gear so that I can represent my alma mater everywhere I go. Hopefully they get that up very soon. But I did have some Clemson gear on the way to represent number one overall pick and newest quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. So I can't wait to show that off on the next show. You can get involved. You can get 15 percent off of your first purchase from home field by using the code TDN during checkout. Head over to the website homefieldapparel.com. Check out all the schools that they have. They add schools all the time. When you have time, please put in the code TDN during checkout for your first purchase. You will receive 15% off over at homefieldapparel.com. Again, that's using code TDN during checkout. All right, so the last game that I want to get to, and this is one that I definitely find intriguing just because there's some really good individual battles in this game, and that's Cincinnati First Notre Dame. And, of course, my eyes are going to be on the quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Did you see what Ritter said earlier this week? Yeah, what did he say? It might be loud for a little bit, but we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, it's not, it ain't going to be loud for ask, long. <laughs> he got asked about the crowd noise at Notre Dame, and he said it shouldn't be loud for too long. I love that confidence from a quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, I know a couple of people that actually work at Cincinnati, so 
I don't know if you know, but Ritter is like a legendary trash talker. Like he does research <laughs> on guys so he can talk trash to them. I love that as a quarterback, just because confidence is something that you have to have at the position. And it's clear that Ritter does have that. So him coming out and saying that it shouldn't be too loud for too long. I love that from him just because this is a big time matchup for him. One of the few ranked opponents that they will see this year, you know, Indiana was supposed to be their their first big test of the year. Obviously, they came out victorious in that game. But, you know, going against Notre Dame, a top 10 team, Notre Dame was okay against Wisconsin. We both said it. It was kind of like a a meh game overall. That kind of was like watching paint dry. If you're an old school football fan that just likes ground and pound and good defense, that was the game for you. But Notre Dame wasn't super impressive in that game to me. But Cincinnati, this is one of the few big time tests that we'll see them go through last year. I thought they held up well against Georgia and even gave them a chance to win the game. At the end, the defense just couldn't hold up. But I thought they were impressive against Georgia last year. But, of course, this is a brand new year. But for Ritter, this is a big opportunity for him just because, once again, like we always say, this is one of those quote-unquote resume games for him too to where he's playing a higher quality opponent in Notre Dame. So not only for Ritter, but, you know, my Jay Sanders is another person that's going to be put to the test against the Notre Dame offensive front. Uh, Amad Sauce Gardner is another player that a lot of people are going to have eyes on in this game too. So, For all the big-time prospects that we hear about on Cincinnati, this is going to be a great opportunity for them to go against a top-10-ranked opponent. Yeah, I think another storyline for this game is the fact that Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator of Cincinnati last year. And honestly, like the work he did with that defense last year, he probably should have got a head coaching job, in my opinion. Um, But instead, he takes a lateral move to go be the D.C. at Notre Dame. So... Not only is he an outstanding defensive coordinator, one of the best in the country, he knows Desmond Ritter better than most. Like he yep. knows his weaknesses, he knows his strengths. So Notre Dame defense has already just a tangible advantage because of that. If Ritter can come out and go on the road facing a coordinator who knows you and still perform at a high level and get the win. That is huge. Like that is absolutely huge for Ritter stock. And I'm not the biggest Desmond Ritter guy. I, I, I again, I just don't see it. Um, I yeah. recognize his talent. I recognize the arm strength and the, the athleticism and the, he wins. I get it. I just personally, I am not there with him, but I will admit like that would be a huge win in my opinion, even though I'm openly saying, I don't think Notre Dame is very good as a gen general. But the cards are stocked against Ritter. Like, you know, this, this is at Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman knows him. They, they do have talent on defense. This would be a huge, huge win. And then J Sanders, you know, I think he's going to go off this week. Um, watching Wisconsin really get after Tosh Baker. I think he was a third string left tackle of Notre Dame. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, I think J Sanders, who's yet to record a sack, this season, which is really surprising after his monster year last year. I do think if Cincinnati has any chance of winning this game, he has to be a key reason why he has to take over this game. The opportunity is right there in front of him. In my opinion, he can only hurt his stock in my opinion on, on Saturday in terms of like, if he doesn't show up, what the heck's happening was last year a fluke. You know, like that, that's, that's where I'm going to be asking myself. And like, I see, I see the physical traits, but like, you still got to produce. Um, so 
I, I have my red dot on Maje Sanders. I think he needs a big game, not just for Cincinnati to win the game, but for his stock overall. And that's the tricky thing about coming back for your senior season. We're kind of yep. seeing it with Chris Olave a little bit just because I think he had one game where he didn't record a catch at all a couple of weeks ago. So he's kind of hurting himself a little bit. Maje Sanders, like you mentioned, hasn't recorded a sack this year either. That's the, the slippery slope about returning for your senior season. I think both of those guys would have – Olave for sure would have been a first round pick. I think um, Ajay Sanders definitely would have went in the top 40 range yeah. just because of how well he was going to test. And then he had the production to back it up, too. So, yeah, I'm right there with you as far as him being a red dot prospect this week. He has to have a good game just because this is a showcase type of game for him. He's going to be going against big time competition and like how well he played against Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. He needs a big game like this against a big time opponent. So, a lot of players to watch in this game, but Ritter is somebody I'm going to have my eye on. The biggest issue I have with Ritter right now is just the ball placement and the inconsistencies with the ball placement. I think that's always been the heel that he's he hasn't been able to overcome so far, but we'll see. He's one player that I can't wait to get my eyes on in person at postseason All-Star games. I think that's going to help me get a better feel for him overall, especially as a person. And then it's just different seeing guys throw in person too. So I think that's something that's going to be important for me about his evaluation. But I did want to highlight one more that I'm going to have my my red dot on, and this isn't a game that will go over, but it's one matchup that I'm definitely going to keep my eye on, and it's Minnesota against Purdue. So we have Daniel Falele against George Karloftis. I think that's a matchup that's going to be very intriguing for sure. Falele uh, looks really improved this year. He slimmed down the weight. He's down to like 370 pounds. And then the best thing that helped him out was Jordan Maialata from the Philadelphia Eagles getting played, getting paid, excuse me. And, you know, with him, he has a very similar background story. He hasn't played football very long, only started in high school. Maialata has a very similar story, very similar size too, athletic, big. So I think some people may see him in Daniel Falele, but this is a great test for him going against an explosive edge rusher like like a George Karloftis that's super strong, very disruptive, and can play any position along the defensive front. And, you know, with him playing that right defensive end spot and Falele playing that, that right tackle spot, they're going to be going against each other every single snap if he if Karloftis uh, aligns along the edge. So keep an eye on that matchup for sure. Yeah, that's a really good matchup. Karloftis Carlo- is looking more like the player we saw in 2019, his freshman year, where he was a freshman All-American. You know, he was phenomenal. And, you know, I know I know Kyle Krabs of our group is really high on Karloftis, on and he's high on Falele. So I know for a fact he's going to be watching that game. Um, so, yeah, man, that, that's a fantastic matchup. Uh, the, one other, the one other red dot prospect I had was actually our number two overall player, on TDM 100, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, this will be his first game back fully healthy. I know he tried to give it a go last week against Arizona. He played like maybe 10 snaps before he kind of tweaked his foot again, different foot, but took him out. But Chris Ball said he's 100% healthy. Chris Ball said he's full go. He's going to start like like nothing's wrong with him. So really excited to see him play really for the first time this season fully healthy because, I mean, he was he got injured so early in week one that we haven't really seen it. And he was dominant when he was healthy in week one, but I'm itching to watch a full game of him, you know, playing real competition in Stanford, who's known to have solid offensive lines. Like, I'm anxious to see how he looks and how he can affect the game for 60 minutes. Yeah, I'm happy to see him back for sure, just because he easily could have opted out or – 
you know, kind of milked it a little bit to 100%. get to the NFL draft. So I think he's going to earn a lot of points for that in draft rooms. And like I said, during the Ohio State game, him being so engaged and coaching guys up and inter- how energetic he was and enthusiastic on the sideline, I think that's going to bode well for him in draft rooms for sure. But thank you guys for listening. That is our episode for the week. As always, we enjoy these Friday episodes. There's so much we can cover. On Tuesday, we will be back. Dre will be rejoining us. We will go through the NFL action that happened from week four. We will also recap what happened during the college football weekend. There is a lot to cover. There will be a lot to cover on Tuesday, so I'm really excited about that to get the entire band back together. But as always, we are the Read Option Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He's Brentley Wiseman. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, like all of us on um, the social media platforms. Brentley has his mock draft coming out on Sunday, so be on the lookout for that. My Matt Corral piece and how big of a game this is for him against Alabama and then breaking down some of the things that I see that he has improved upon is up now on the Draft Network, so be sure to check out all of that. Be on the lookout for plenty of more or plenty more articles coming out during the week and over the weekend as well. As always, thank you guys for listening. We will be back on Tuesday. See you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.